everyone. This is Karen Hornsby, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. And I haven't had any any um, desires for uh, for what I've come from, um, as as the Lord has uh, has blessed me in that as well. Thank you to Karen Hornsby for the introduction. You can hear Karen's story at onfaithsedge.com slash 69. Again, that's onfaithsedge.com slash 69, including her experience with ABC's Rising Star. It's a talent show that uh, was on ABC. She talks about her battle with cancer and how a superstar like Kesha sought her out for a conversation about faith. Well, hello. Welcome to the 73rd episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today's guest is Bob Fife, author of the book Out, One Christian's Experience of Leaving the Gay Community. Out is the story of Bob's descent into homosexual practices and out again. His fascinating journey takes readers from the confusion of his teen years to his marriage and fatherhood to his discovery and embrace of the Toronto gay scene. He describes abandoning his young family in order to fulfill his sexual desires, his same-sex sexual desires, taking him to London, Amsterdam, Berlin, Barcelona, Provincetown, Key West, and San Francisco. Over a decade later, an unexpected visit from his college-aged son caused Bob to confront the consequences of his indulgencies and begin to seek change. Now, before going into uh, the interview with Bob, I want to offer up uh, some personal thoughts, a little personal commentary about the subject. I believe that indeed the Bible states that homosexuality is a sin. The act of homosexuality is a sin. Romans uh, 1, 26 through 27, I think that passage makes it very clear uh, that the act of homosexuality is a sin. Having said that, my job as a Christian is to bring people to God through love, grace, and truth, and leave the changing to the Holy Spirit. Is there healing? Absolutely, there's healing. There is healing from homosexuality. If somebody is unhappy as a homosexual, for whatever reason, if they're unhappy with the homosexual lifestyle, shouldn't they be allowed to seek healing without ridicule? Shouldn't they be allowed to seek healing without... uh, uh, w- without feeling abandoned by their community, the community that I that I live in in Cincinnati, Ohio, some kind of bill or some kind of law trying to be passed right now, if it has not already passed, to make um, conversion therapy—I think it's called conversion therapy—illegal. Uh, now, it, if somebody wants to seek out professional help to bring them out of homosexuality. Because they're unhappy, shouldn't that person have the same right as the as a person who is uh, a homosexual to come out and be accepted? Shouldn't that person who is a homosexual who wants to come out of the homosexual community be accepted in the same way? I'd love to know your thoughts about this. I really would. Visit onfaithsedge.com and uh, leave your comments. I'd love to. I'd love to hear about it. So, having said all that, what do we do about homosexuality as Christians? I think what we do about homosexuality as Christians is we, we show grace and honor and dignity and love and compassion. We help them where they need help. 
I think we tell them the truth as we understand the Bible and we understand God's word. I think God has made it very clear. I said this before that homo- the act of homosexuality is a sin. But I don't think that we do it through bashing and we don't do it through ridicule and we do, don't do it through, um, frankly, making their lifestyle illegal. What is what business of it is ours as Christians to make their lifestyle illegal? I want to bring them to God, closer to God and closer to God's family and let the Holy Spirit work his work in the way that he sees fit. Not according to our our agenda and our timeline or our, frankly, political persuasions or personal insecurities. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. So, having said all that, let's get straight into the uh, conversation with Bob Fife. Let's dig right into the book, Out. Why did you write the book? Well, there are a number of reasons. Um, I guess the main reason I wrote the book was uh, just to, to express the, the uh, fact that there is uh, a number of contributing factors to the causes and the uh, and the and reasons for uh, homosexuality in a in a in a young man, and I wanted those to come out. Um, they're different for everybody, and I know that. That was one reason. Another reason was I wanted that uh, the church to be able to know that they play a very very important role in helping that individual. And another one was uh, to demonstrate some of the the perfect, uh, the the beautiful, healthy relationships that one needs in one's life. Um, and I had many of those in my recovery. And then most of all, I wanted to write it to glorify God in His great victory that He has given me for these last twenty five years. Well, the book is certainly interesting, and and uh, the thing about this book. Uh, it's, it's not sanitized. You don't pull any punches. You're very clear, uh, as to the lifestyle that you led and, and how you came into that lifestyle, some of your interactions, where they happened, why they happened. Uh, you don't pull any punches in this book. Did you feel it was important to be, uh, this direct and this, and this clear when writing out? You know, I really did Joe, because uh, I think it's important for the everyday guy, the mom, the dad, the pastor, whoever, uh, to just know that there's a depth of, of uh, degradation that one goes to. Um, and I didn't want to hide any of that. I, I didn't go into gory details, but I certainly wanted to show that there was a desperate need that needed to be met in the individual, and I sought it with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my might. And uh, it, was, uh, it was important not to hide that, because different people that are in there will realize um, that uh, that is, that's the case, and, uh, and it will help those, no matter where they are in that stage, uh, to know that there is hope. What is, when you're talking to the church, Bob, what is, let, let's, let's back up a little bit. Take, take us through your story. Take, take us through your story of, 
of growing up in a uh, in a in a household where that was very dysfunctional, uh, and your um, uh, your father was apparently abusive to your mother. Not a lot of affection going on. Take us through uh, through your life briefly and how you came to the homosexual lifestyle. Okay. Well, my dear mom had five kids before um, I came along with my dad. And my dad was one of those guys that was out there uh, with other women and making uh, uh, babies elsewhere. And you can be sure that my dear mom did not want to bring another one of his kids into the world. So I knew from conception that I was an unwanted child. Mm. I knew it from my mother, uh, uh, not just because of the circumstance, and my dad really could care less. And so unwanted in birth and unwanted in, in growing up as a young kid, I had three older sisters uh, and a couple of older brothers, but my older sisters were immediately older than I was, and so therefore uh, they kind of rejected me to some degree. And uh, I just struggled and had lots of, of unhealthy identity going on in my life, both with love and with masculinity and all the things that one needs growing up with a father or with a male um, healthy image. And so it, it had its toll. And as I got a little older, I got uh, into a situation where I was sexually abused at the age of about 13 or 14. And then I, I misconstrued that whole thing and thought that it was maybe just a, a boyish thing, a natural thing. And I, I took it as being an okay thing. I didn't reject it. I didn't turn it away. I didn't know what it was, but I, I thought I misinterpreted it as masculine affection. And, uh, it was something that I didn't have in my life. So I was hungry for, for sure. So I misinterpreted and it went on for a year maybe. And then after that, it faded away and I got a little older. I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior when I was about 15. And, uh, I was very active in the church. I met girls and I dated them. I eventually got married, but I never really put it, um, on the burner. I never really dealt with it. It was there in the back of my mind and it was kind of what we say under the carpet. And so if you don't deal with those things, they deal with you. And so you have to, uh, you have to come to grips with it. And, and it was later in life when I did that. So what does your experience tell us about the, the importance of, of a good male role model? and healthy male interaction. Because if I heard you right, Bob, you thought you just felt that you said 13 years old. This is the, this was the almost like this was the first form of affection that you received from another man. So you thought this is the way you get affection from men. And this is the way men show affection. So what does that, what does that tell us as, as, as Christian fathers and, and, we have a significant listenership of non-Christians out there as, as fathers. What does that tell us about, about uh, affection to our children and the kind of affection that, uh, 
that our sons need from us? Oh, wow, that's a loaded question. I, I can't say enough uh, about the need for uh, a father-son, even an older brother, uh, just to have that healthy, um, wholesome relationship. You know what, Joe? I never remember sitting on my dad or my mom's knee. It was just, it was just unbelievable that I had to find a way and, and, and so on. And, uh, so it, to, to answer your question, it is vital that a young man, a young boy, uh, has that healthy relationships. And I found it, I found it in the church. There was, it was amazing how God brought that about, uh, in, in my recovery down the road. Uh, and it was through my son, uh, uh, when, when, uh, he visited me when he was 20 years old, uh, he visited me and, uh, he sat on my balcony downtown Toronto and he said to me, dad, he said, my love for you is unconditional. And I thought, wow, just the fact that he said, dad was new. And the fact that he said his love was unconditional was so powerful because even in gay life, love is not unconditional. Uh, Now, I say that from my perspective. I'm not going to speak for everybody else because that wouldn't be fair. But from my perspective, that any relationship that I had had so many conditions on it that I didn't know that it was real love uh, because it had all the conditions that one needed to meet uh, to be in those situations. So to have that unconditional love, and then he went one step further and he said, and God's love for you is unconditional. So it was from that day on the balcony over 25 years ago that my son told me that God's love for me was unconditional. And even though I had been saved as a young man, I got away. I was a backslider. I was in a, in a hypocritical state uh, and away from God. But he never stopped to pursue me like the prodigal father. And uh, he met me. He was looking for me, as it were, when I was able uh, to be received back to himself. So it was from that day to this day that God has given me victory, and I, I can't stop thanking him and praising him for what he's done and the privileges that it's brought. Can we talk a little bit about that visit from your son? Um, Absolutely. Your son approached you. He was 20, 20 something you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he approached you. Why, why did he, uh, why at this time, at this moment in his life, why at this moment in your life, uh, did he decide that I need to go talk to my dad? Had you guys been estranged from each other? Had you had you been in Absolutely. touch with each other? Okay. Yeah, I only I only saw him once when he uh, well he was about two when he and his mom and we split. So about the age of ten, I asked her if I could visit him, and I went out west uh, to visit him once when he was about ten, and then when he was about twenty twenty one. He had just finished uh, university, and uh, he had visited his mom in in Texas. She was down there going to Whitcliffe Bible School, and uh, and then 
he came directly to see me. And uh, when he came to see me, I said to him, I said, Sean, I said, uh, do you know about me? And he said, yeah, my, my mom told me about a week ago. And so it, he had to process all that. And he had to uh, realize that. And we had to work a lot of issues through. Um, and I have a chapter in my book that says, what have I done? Like, you know, this is not going to be easy um, dealing with all of this because I was so saturated in the gay life. Uh, uh, but now to realize that God's love was unconditional and I had a way out and I needed to pursue that with the same heart and soul that I put into making, trying to make it uh, a success in my in my uh, fleshly life. The the chapter that Bob is talking about in his book out is chapter 24. What have I done? And in that chapter on page 127, uh, Bob says, now, instead of seeing non gays as the enemy, I saw them as allies in a new battle, one against myself right away. I recognized I would need to recruit a group of new friends who would support me, not only by affirming my decision to change my life, but also by sticking with me through the process. You had to go through a complete, not only internal and spiritual, but a complete metamorphosis of who you, who you, who you allowed yourself to be around, the type of people you allowed yourself to be around and the type of, the type of people that you sought support from. How did you go about that? Well, when my son was with me, we visited, um, we got on our bikes and we, we drove by a little, a little chapel that I had been to as a boy, uh, in about 10 minutes from where I lived at the, at the time. And, uh, I said, you know what, son, I said, that's where I want to go. I've been there before. I just want to go there. So I, after he went back out West, uh, back out to, uh, his his place there, I pursued that. And I went to that little uh, fellowship. And I went for a couple of Sundays and sat back and and observed. And, uh, and then I eventually asked if I could have a meeting with the elders. And Joe, you know what? There were about eight elders in myself that sat in a in a library study room. And I can as I opened up and and their uh, ears were tuned, uh, and so on. It was not easy in a way, but it was so needed and so um, so received. Uh, wow! I every one of them just embraced me and told me that I was uh, I was their their uh, project to to work with, to help, to encourage. And there were a couple that were more um, uh, personal in it, uh, but it was just so great. And it's about the church that, that was instrumental in helping me in that. And, uh, and the second, after that chapter that you mentioned there, what have I done? The next one was facing the challenge. And, and I got involved in a, in a ministry that catered and worked with, with people that were trying to come out of homosexuality in Toronto, and I, I engulfed myself in that and, and brought everything to the table um, and, and wanted to deal with it. There's one little incident in my book, and I, I, I kind of want to say this because it's, it's quite shocking in a way. 
I confronted my mom one day um, when I was visiting her. I knocked on the door and I, I had already pre-thought that if she doesn't hug me first, I'm not going to hug her. And she didn't. So we went to the living room and sat down and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, you know what? I hate you. And you can be sure I shocked the the living daylights out of her wow. and, and out of myself too. But you know what? I had to do it. I had to confront her because she wasn't loving me the way that a mom would love you, you know, like hug you or or embrace you or whatever. It's not that she didn't love me. She provided and she was a godly woman. I saw her many times on her knees. But you know what, Joe? After I said that, we processed that that afternoon so that it was so beautiful and so powerful. God was able to just allow us to really come to grips with each of ourselves and identify it and to grow with it. My mom lived to be 93 years old, and I spent the last week in the hospital with her, sleeping in the bed next to her uh, in the same room. So we grew and grew and grew. So it was pretty special, our relationship as, as we went forward. But it's that kind of identifying that you need to do with a lot of issues that are in your life. Because we are uh, often subjects of our past, and uh, we need to pull those things out and deal with them, and God gives the grace and the help. You brought up the church earlier and, and how important the church was to your healing, I guess you would call it, if that's the right thing to say, but we'll talk about that in a oh, second. Oh, it is. I, I, I do want to address that that word and that that terminology uh, because okay. I, I'll be honest with you, because frankly, I've used that terminology with uh, uh, in in some circles that I that I talk uh, that I talk with uh, about this subject of homosexuality and and, and mm-hmm. being healed from homosexuality, and and it is uh, uh, it's almost an insult to uh, to a certain group of people. So uh, even non homosexuals, it's a, it's an insult on they they feel insulted on their be on on a homosexual's behalf. But we'll talk about that in in just a second because I I want to sure. ask you, what is the church missing uh, when addressing the issue of homosexuality? What is today's church missing? Well, I I have a term that I like to use that the church is not a hotel, it's a hospital, and I think that. We have to know that there's a lot of healing and there's a lot of help that needs to go on in the church. And when we go in there, we cannot go on a Lord's Day or any day uh, to be with the Lord's people and think that it's a take, take, take. It's so much a give. We need to minister. We need to not leave it to a, a single pastor or a group of pastors. We need to, each one of us, minister to the different ones that God can give us to mentor and to work with. And so that's what the church needs to come to grips with, is that there is so many ways in which we can minister and serve uh, uh, hurting people. You know, I, I uh, there's a couple of ministries that, uh, one particular ministry that uh, I, I've supported and I have thought a lot about their work. It's called Prodigal Ministries. 
And mm. uh, there are a there are dozens of ministries like that uh, out there that address mm-hmm. that address this issue. Uh, yeah. And it's and it's time the church uh, the church addresses this issue. This is a little personal commentary, so I apologize, Bob. It's it's time the church addresses this issue uh, with love and grace and their own humility, and yeah. uh, and and bring and bring healing to those that are genuinely seeking healing. Uh, about yeah. the idea of healing, do you consider yeah. yourself a man healed from homosexuality? Absolutely, all the way through. So have you have you simply Heart, just soul and spirit and body? So have you simply just changed your activities, or has your sexual attraction attraction changed? Everything has changed. Everything has changed. I haven't remarried, um, but that's not because I'm not attracted to women or I don't like women or anything like that. I have lots of lady friends, healthy situations, of course. But I got to tell you that, uh, to be honest with you. My wife was the most incredible woman in the world. I dated her for six years before I married her. And I love, I love her to this day. I would, I would do anything to get her back. I know it's not going to happen. I asked my son one time, Sean, when you, when you see your mom, just ask her if anything happened to her current husband, if she'd take me back. Just in case you're wondering, she said no. (laughs) And I understand that because, you know, uh, the hurt and the selfishness that I possessed in those days was unbelievable. I, 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 yeah, well, I live with, I don't live with that guilt anymore because God is, has, has changed me. But boy, I'll tell you, if I, if I, if I had to uh, ponder it for a long time without other things, then it would be a real heavy because I was so selfish in my, in my pursuit. One of the things that Bob is talking about is, uh, in his book and, and, uh, I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go pick up the book and read it for yourself. But in his book, he talks about a time where he was working hard and a successful businessman. And it, it came into his, it came into his mind and correct me if I'm wrong here, Bob, it came into his mind that, you know what? I deserve a little, a little break. I deserve, I deserve a little, for lack of a better way of putting it action. I deserve a little something for myself. So, uh, as a, as a reward to himself, he, he went on a, on a, uh, on a, uh, homosexual bender for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way of saying it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't mean to be graphic or insulting. I hope I'm not Bob, um, but, but because he thought he deserved it and that took him down the path of, uh, uh, of, of basic, uh, of leaving his wife and leaving his family. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible story of, of frankly, at this moment in your life. And you said it being selfish and self-centered and self-indulgent and, and what that path can, can lead. And I'll, I'll let you pick up the, the book and read it. But Bob does a, an, an amazing job in this book, describing that part of his life. It's just, it's just incredible. Bob, along those lines, uh, how do you hope a reader is changed after reading out? Well, there's a preface to the whole thing, and that is that the individual, if it's a if it's a gay person in the in the community that is unhappy, uh, hopefully maybe even a believer, because there are many 
Christian young men who have been abused or have been taken advantage of or whatever, whatever, and they get caught up and they get they get into that scene and they want out. That's the preface to the whole book. I wouldn't give this book to just any gay person out there because if they're content where they are, it's not going to do them any good. And it's not good for a parent to push that on them. They want to be loving and gracious and accept them where they are, not where they should be. And accept them for what God can do for them if they desire to come out. And if someone shows expression or desire to come out, then the book can really help them in in identifying and all those kinds of things. But that's the preface, Joe, to the book, is that it'll help a lot of people who are helping them, like the church, like the pastor, or like the parent, um, and so on. But it's, it's not just, it's, it's not condemning, and it's not condoning, uh, but it does not, it's not uh, the kind of book that you give uh, to someone who's content where they are. Approaching somebody where they are, you're not going to pull somebody out of sin that doesn't want to be, that doesn't want to be pulled out of sin, that doesn't feel pulled out of sin. Uh, right. You have to find that. You have to find uh, whatever whatever the life situation is. You you make a really good point. You have to find them in a, at a moment when they are open and willing, and they have a desire, a desire yeah. to leave that sin, whatever it is, is it whether it's the homosexual lifestyle or or name the litany of lifestyle sins that that exactly. uh, that are out there. So the book is called Out: One Christian's Experience of Leaving the Gay Community by Bob Fife. What a fantastic book. Can Bob, can we talk a little bit about your personal faith? Sure. How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? You alluded to it before. I think you were 15 years old. Yes. My mom was a true believer and she took us to Sunday school every Sunday and we uh, we grew up in a little Baptist church in a small town, and and I I was very um, needful of of uh, affection and 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 companionship and acceptance. So you know I I when I heard of the love of Jesus and and uh, and so on, then it it did appeal to me, and I did desire to to know God through Jesus Christ. And so I made that decision, and I was very active in in this in the church. Uh, young people, they used to call me Deacon Fife when I'd be in school because I'd carry my Bible with me for uh, for various reasons. And uh, so I I grew up in a in that situation and uh, pursued it. And my wife and I, wow, I met her at a Bible study, and so it was. Uh, it was really precious to to grow in the, in all of that, but like you said a little earlier, um, I I got tied up in myself and wanted to uh, sow my oats, as it were, and and uh, and find a different way of uh, of life. And and you know how that happened, Joe? How that happens with all of us is that we get our eye off God. And I was mm. a very successful young businessman. I was vice president of operations of a major, major food chain. So I, I was very active in that and, uh, and lost some of my relationship with God 
um, in pursuit of him. So if, if you don't put the energy into seeking and knowing God, like Proverbs 2 says, I love that passage in Proverbs 2, that first five verses. It's so action-filled. It's listen, seek, uh, and search out, and so on. It's such a powerful passage. And if we put that energy into pursuing God, then he won't leave us or let us go astray. He will He will uh, guide us and, and make our pathway clear. But if we don't, then we're so open and vulnerable to the to the flow that's out there. When you were in the throes of of a homosexual lifestyle, yes. um, did you did you somehow justify your this homosexual lifestyle, or or how did you? Where was your faith at, at, at in that moment, and how did you justify your faith and connection with the homosexual lifestyle? I put it aside. I think maybe once in in the many years I didn't read my Bible. Once I had made the decision to go into it. I mean, I went to Europe for a year and Amsterdam. just saturated myself in it. And then I, I when I came back, I mean, I managed gay bars. I was president of the Gay Business Council in the city of Toronto. Um, I played in the Gay World Series in New York. I mean, I was so engulfed in it. Um, I didn't, uh, there was a couple of occasions and they're mentioned in the book where I was confronted because when you get in a relationship, somebody gets to know your past and about you and they mocked me and, uh, made fun of me as being a hypocrite. And I would have been more of a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite, but I would have been more so if I had tried to show, uh, an interest and then not, not let it live out in my life, in my actions. So I put it aside. I literally put it aside to pursue what I was after. So you weren't trying to say, well, uh, I am a homosexual Christian and I am practicing homosexuality while I'm a Christian and while I'm worshiping God. You, you, you set aside, you completely set aside your faith and said, this is who I am. And you pursued that lifestyle. You, you completely, you completely set aside your faith. Absolutely. Have you ever had a time where you doubted your faith or, or even the existence of God? No. No, there's not. God, had, because I pursued him. I pursued him. I pursue him constantly. Um, there's a verse, there's, there's a couple of verses in Job, and I just want to read them. Job 36, 8, uh, 8 to 11, and it says, If they are bound in chains, and I was, and caught up in the web of trouble, and I was, he shows them the reason. That's special. He shows them their sins of pride. He gets their attention and commands that they turn from evil. Mm. And this is what I like. If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. Mm. Amen, that's, brother. That's, that's, my, that's my claim. And God has blessed me. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm so blessed. And I'm so wanting uh, to put 
the same energy. I pursued that with all my energy. Oh, boy, the book is so full of what I did. Like you said, it goes into detail at the beginning of the book. But now I wanted to have that same and even more energy and the power of the Spirit of God uh, pursuing what he has given me to pursue now, not just since I've written the book. I'm talking about my whole life of recovery of in the church and ministering and serving and, and, and just bringing glory to God in a, in a, in a life that he, he is blessed and uh, prospered me in. So I, I, uh, I don't have any, um, any doubts or anything like that. Uh, and I haven't had any, any, um, desires for, uh, for what I've come from, um, as, as the Lord has, uh, has blessed me in that as well. I, I feel, I feel prompted to ask you about Sean. Sure. How is your relationship with Sean now? How are you guys? Well, he and I on a father son situation are, are fabulous. Like I went to visit him this year for, uh, out West for three weeks. Uh, we can talk about anything. We, we worked together. He worked for me for a number of years when he was here, uh, over the, uh, over the years of my recovery. And, and so we've had a very, very good relationship. It's not so spiritually, uh, fed, but, uh, father, son, it has been, it has been very, very good. Are you able to be a dad to him? Yes. How cool yes, is that, I am. Man? How cool is yes. that, brother? He he, um, uh, you know he he can. It took him a while to forgive me for uh, for my. Um, you know he he'd say that he did, like I said, unconditional love way back at the beginning. But you know you got to work that all through. I mean, we can say something, but it has to come out in our actions and in our performance and so on. So before God. Um, and, uh, we had to, uh, we had to work through a lot of those issues and so on. So, um, but we did. And, uh, our, like I said, the, the father son side of it is, is very healthy now. And, uh, uh, yeah, we can, we can relate very, very well now. And I've got a lot of people in my life. I, I have a lot of adopted sons, uh, and daughters, uh, and grandkids kind of thing that, uh, uh, that come to my farm. I have a little horse farm in in Ontario, and uh, and they come and visit me very often. And so I have that. I'm blessed with that relationship now. It's it's healthy and it's wholesome. Finally, as we wrap up, Bob, what would you say to someone that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I would say to that person, you know what, God created you. God has blessed you with life and the breath that you take at this very, very moment. And it is your responsibility to respond to the great God who loves you and did everything from his part. All he's asking of you and of me is to respond and to answer his call when he's knocking at the door and receive him and then the process of 
asking for forgiveness because he's holy and we are sinful and we need to be received and redeemed uh, by him and by his people. I don't think we can say anything more than that. The book is called Out, One Christian's Experience of Leaving the Gay Community by Bob Fife. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Bob. You're very welcome. God bless you, my brother. Thank you again, Joe. God bless you. You can find out more about Bob Fife and his book Out at bobsexperience.com. Again, that's bobsexperience.com. This link, as well as all the other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 73. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 73. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Bob Fife for being with us today, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 